Welcome to the Passive Wealth Principles, The Trade-Off. This is an episode where I dive deep into some of the concepts that I talk about, I write about in my newsletter. If you want to actually get on the newsletter and get this information ahead of time, go to PassiveWealth.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there, or there's also some links down in the bio down below. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. When I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, it's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation, and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies, and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations, and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Work less make more. Wealthy is greater than rich. As our friend Warren Buffett says, make money while you sleep or work until you die. Everyone wants to be rich. Here's why I pursue being wealthy instead of being rich. Let me outline the four primary ways in which most people earn money. Number one, or path number one, employee. Number two is the entrepreneur. Number three, the business owner. And path number four, investor. I'll explain the first three paths using a fun game that I just made up for this video to illustrate my point called rich versus wealthy. Towards the end, I'll share some of the tips that have helped me transition from one path to the other. Let's dive into the game, rich versus wealthy. Meet Eddie, the entrepreneur. Eddie earns a million dollars in income. He works 50 hours per week because let's assume Eddie has achieved a pretty good work-life balance. He's only working 50 hours a week. The caveat, if Eddie doesn't work, he doesn't get paid. Next, I'll introduce to you Bob, the entrepreneur. Bob's business generates $3 million in revenue, a million dollars in profit, and he runs his daily operations with the support of a low-cost staff who needs direction. If Bob's not around, the business struggles and the profits decline. Essentially, he owns a job. Contestant number three, Barbara, the business owner. Barbara's business also generates $3 million in revenue and a million dollars profit. However, she has systems in place, staff in place that run the day-to-day -day operations autonomously. In fact, her business thrives even in her absence. She owns a business. Drum roll. Who is richer? It's a trick question. All three of them, they're equally rich in the way society defines it because they each earn a million dollars a year. However, the real question is who is wealthier pours back to how they earn their money. So give some context. Let me provide my definition of rich and wealthy. Rich means making a lot of money, such as rich doctor, rich uncle, rich parent, 
you get that. Wealthy means your income is not tied to your daily efforts and you make a lot of freedom. Between Eddie, Bob, and Barbara, who is wealthier? Winner, winner. Barbara is the wealthiest as her income generates her the greatest amount of freedom. Let's go into round two, rich versus wealthy. Now let's elevate the discussion to a private equity level. Here's where the money is earned and valued differently often referred to net worth or enterprise value. So Eddie, the entrepreneur, his net worth is zero. He trades his time for money and nobody is really purchasing other people's job. Bob, the entrepreneur, his business is valued at one to three times profit or seller's discretionary earnings, SDE for short, since it is highly dependent on his time and his efforts. And so his business is worth one to $3 million. Now let's dive into Barbara, the business owner, her business would be valued at five to 10 times profits, EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Since it doesn't require her involvement, giving it a value of five to $10 million. It's important to recognize that net worth or business value can fluctuate over time. You can't pay your bills with net worth. This is somewhat of a make-believe number until the deal is actually closed at that value. On the other hand, profits increase are more tangible for most people. So let's say year over year, the profits of their ventures increase equally to $2 million. How would this affect the net worth. Eddie goes from a million dollars to two million dollars. His net worth is still zero. Even though his earnings have doubled, zero times zero still equals zero. So Bob's business now be valued at two to six million dollars because of his multiple of one to three times. Whereas Barbara has now, her business value has gone from 10 to 20 million dollars. As you can see, there's an exponential difference in the value output. What's the difference? Leverage. Naval Ravikant aptly puts it, forget the rich versus the poor, the white collar versus the blue. It is now leveraged versus unleveraged. So you want to earn with leverage that creates wealth, not earn with time, which is rich. For most of my life, I've been in the Eddie and Bob's paths. If you've already on Barbara's path, congratulations, you have the potential to unlock that fourth path of income, the investor path. And I'll dive into details on this path and leverage in a future video. If you're aspiring to be be more like Barbara here, five strategies that have helped me transition between those paths that could potentially expedite your journey. So number one, develop a side hustle. This is an employee tip. You have to break free from earning money for someone else. So if you're earning a high income and it's not feasible to seek equity or commission-based opportunities, oftentimes a side hustle is your only other option. For instance, creating a newsletter or a blog or something you're passionate about maybe it's fly fishing, develop a course around a common problem and sell it, selling it for one to $200. By doing this, your content begins to draw attention to your product. Selling 50 courses a month could get you an extra $10,000 a month. Number two, entrepreneur tip. Here's the biggest issue that all businesses require your effort. Owning a job oftentimes is more stressful than just having a job. When you're punching the clock in and out, that's not very stressful. But when you own the business, there is no punching out. I've yet to meet a business owner that hasn't had thoughts of burning down their 
entire company or just quit overall. Myself included. Business is hard, especially if you're doing the things that you suck or hate. So you need to hire for the suck. Throughout most of my career, I was somewhat of a control freak and I struggled with delegating tasks. Part of the reason was that I didn't hire the right people. I tended to employ generalists instead of specialists. I often hired individuals that had skills mirroring my own. My business suffered because I had to take on tasks that I didn't enjoy and it drained my energy. However, I learned that some people actually love doing the things that I loathe. If you hire someone who relishes tasks that you dislike, it frees up your time to focus on what you enjoy and what you're good at. Number three, community building. This is both an employee and a business temp. Hint, this is the direction which I'm taking this video and my newsletter and all my other content is to concentrate on building a robust community around the brand. Not only does it aid in customer retention, but it also turns your customers into brand ambassadors. Final two are were also big aha moments that tap into that leverage factor. You need to be able to start thinking 10x or 100x. What are all your efforts focused on that are giving you the 10 to 100x returns on your time? And that goes to tip number four, automation tools. Entrepreneurs, employees often overlook the importance of investing into automation tools. CRM systems, email marketing platforms, social media schedules, managing reoccurring tasks efficiently, investing and automation was a game changer for me. Leveraging software, AI, chat GPT, sometimes can replace entire roles at a fraction of the cost and with greater reliability. And number five, outsourcing. If you haven't yet employed offshore staff, you're missing out. Exceptionally skilled staff members are available at rates of three to $8 an hour, outsourcing non-core functions such as customer service, cold calling, data scrape, marketing, sales, development. These enable you to concentrate on the main aspects of your business. I'd love to hear from you. If this rich versus wealthy game that I just made up was insightful and maybe helped you provide some context on the importance of playing the right game also shed some light on why I'm embarking on the pursuit of wealth and not rich. So until next week, this is Passive Wealth Principles, The Trade-Off. You can get this information a week ahead of time by subscribing to the newsletter where we go into the details and this is delivered every single Saturday. So go to PassiveWealth.com to subscribe there or there's some links down in the bio. We look forward to connecting up with you next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.RealEstate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.